0: When trying to entangle, the jingle from the jangle It's easy if you listen with your heart. Singing la 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 la. Singing la 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 la. Hey gang, welcome to the Real Housewives of Riverdale, the podcast where grown-ass adults take sexy teen murder mysteries just as seriously as you do. I'm your host Cherie. And today we are discussing sorry I have to move the mic a little bit okay sorry about that guys Um, today we are discussing season 2 episode 2 of Riverdale Night Hawks so the name of this episode is of course in reference to the Edward Hopper painting of a 1950s diner at night it's super famous. You've seen it. Even if you think you haven't seen it, you've seen it. Like it's, it's all over pop culture. I think even that 70s show did like a take on it. So, um, there's also a 1981 Sylvester Stallone movie, but I feel certain that the reference was being made to the painting since the whole episode revolves around Saving Pop's Diner. But you know, maybe I'm wrong. I haven't seen nearly a Stallone movie in forever. So, Maybe that's about <laughs> saving a diner. Fuck, I don't know. Okay, so we're gonna we're just gonna jump in and do some some big um, recaps. So, FP he is faced with charges like arson, destruction of evidence, and that you know whole messy matter of dumping Jason Bo- Jason Blossom's corpse into Sweetwater River. So his court-appointed lawyer strongly encourages his client to take a plea deal. 20 years in prison, which whew, that's a lot. And I mean, he did some bad shit. He is guilty of all of those things. 20 years is a long time though. I mean, I don't know what's common for like attempting to cover up a murder, um, tampering of evidence, arson, you know, I don't know, but like he is absolutely guilty of all those things. Um uh, Tallboy, one of the serpents um, that we're going to get to know real well this season, he's going to be around. Um, His name is Tallboy. He suggests that Jughead seek the services of the snake handler, Penny Peabody. She is a lawyer that the serpents keep on retainer, apparently, and she offices in the back of a tattoo parlor. Like, that tattoo parlor was so tattoo parlory. I expected the guy the tattoo artist that was there giving a tattoo to be, like, writing out no regrets, <laughs> Like, it was it was a little intense. Um, she explains the FP, his best shot is if the the victim's family forgives him in front of the judge. Which, is that a real thing? Like, is, is that a, th- a thing in court stuff? Like, I watch a lot of true crime, and I don't know that I've ever seen... The victim's family have a lot of sway because a lot of times they'll be like they'll say we forgive you and we pray for your soul after what you've done but i don't know anyway penny peabody doesn't charge for the advice she just tells jughead that she might need a favor in return one day oh that is not going to end well i promise that is never a good thing so betty and jughead will later pay a visit to cheryl and her mother at their new house which is called Thistle House. And I want to know, like, is this on the same grounds as Thornhill? Is this, you know, a different part of Riverdale? I just need to know these things, that's all. But they are there to ask for their cooperation so they can help get FP out. Still recovering from her burn wounds, Penelope is decked out. And, like, first of all, she looks like a mummy, which is to be expected. She's covered in third degree burns. That's to be expected. But she has a jeweled silk turban on her head and a matching robe over like all that lace and gauze. And it's, it's insane, (laughs) but it's awesome. Um, Basically, Betty may be family to them, but they'd sooner see F.P. Fry in the electric chair than publicly forgive him. So the surviving blossoms just want just want to put their like many family tragedies behind them as soon as possible but also the idea that Betty thought she had any pull because she's family is quite audacious to me their familial bond is entirely based on like a fatal family rivalry like that's that makes no sense to me we'll move on to Archie's hot mess of a storyline. So he can't stop dozing off while guarding the house because duh. (laughs) he's He just thinks he's going to stay up all night to guard the house and then go to school all day. Like, baby, you have to sleep at some point in time. Just like I tell my kid every night, you have to sleep. It's just part of being a human. You have to. So, um, But he's guarding the house in case the Black Hood should return to finish the job and kill, um, almost said Luke, to kill Fred. Not exactly a solid plan, but very true to Archie's thought process. So it, it checks out. Hot new Reggie, an aspiring drug dealer, offers him Jingle Jingle, which is a new drug that apparently, it's apparently uppers in a pixie stick straw. Um, and he says it'll keep you up in more than one way, and definitely making, like, a erect penis <laughs> with his arm, like, that was a little much for 7 o'clock CW, it was, that was kind of crazy, um, so I don't, I don't think I understand, like, it's meth and Viagra, like, it's speed plus penis pills, in, but in a pixie stick, like, pixie sticks, I don't, is there a singular of pixie sticks, because I think it's with an X, I don't know. Whatever. You guys know what I mean. But he offers it to Archie to help keep him awake. And Archie's like, yeah, you know what? I'll take whatever I can get. But Reggie just sold some to Midge Clump, who we've met for the first time after being in, like, by name. We were introduced to her last season when we found out that Moose, even though he was trying to get with Kevin, he already had a girlfriend. So this is Moose's girlfriend, and she has the most amazing pixie cut wig. It is gorgeous such a wig so obvious that is definitely not that girl's hair but it is beautiful so sassy i love it so at home archie's sitting in that weird spot where he can see both the front and the back doors with his trusty baseball bat and he spies a masked figure creeping up to his back door And we're like, oh, this time it's not a hallucination. We know that because he rubs his eyes. (laughs) So we're all supposed to be like shitting our pants. But guys, it's way too early in the episode. And it's like episode two. Nothing's going to happen. It's not the Black Hood, obviously. But Archie doesn't realize this. So he tackles the guy only to discover that it's Reggie making his drug delivery in the most insensitive and douchey way possible. I mean... What the fuck is wrong with you, Reggie? He has a, a certain point. He says, only a dumbass lunatic brings a baseball bat to a gunfight, which, I mean, touche, you're not wrong. But you were super fucking wrong about how you brought those drugs to Archie's house, dressed like the guy who shot his dad, knowing that Archie, the reason why he needs those drugs is because he's trying to stay awake in case the guy who shot his dad came back, comes back, like... What the fuck? You know, what is wrong with you? At school the next day, in a very weird announcement, uh Principal Weatherby announces that former Riverdale High music teacher and disgusting rapist, I might add, um, freaking monster Miss Grundy has been murdered. Assuming she was shot. Archie puts Alice Cooper, the, you know, sometimes gumshoe reporter on the case. And much to Archie's disgust, Miss Grundy wasn't shot like Fred. She was strangled with a cello bow. Very possibly the one that Archie gave her as a gift. Damn, that's cold. So Sheriff Keller shuts Archie's, Archie down with his suspicion that it was Miss Grundy's abusive ex-husband because he, that guy has a solid alibi and I wish we would have kind of got to meet him just to see, like... Is he really abusive or was she full of shit? Um, I mean, you know, hashtag believe the victim and everything. But, like, she was also raping teenage boys. So, whatever. Um, Could be the Black Hood, whoever he is. But that would have to mean that he... Sorry, my itch is really bad. Ow. Okay. That would mean that the Black Hood is... Targeting the people that Archie cares about, which is it's a little narcissistic, Archie, but this is your show, so I'll allow it. Now we're gonna move on to Pops. And this is insanity to me. This is a storyline that I totally don't understand. Someone has graffitied Death Diner on Pop's chocolate shop. His entire staff has quit, and he's considering selling the business to the aptly named liquor store Chugmo, like that's a great name so maybe it should become that but why pop didn't shoot fred what happened there isn't the restaurant's fault and literally nobody died there it is in fact not a death diner it's a what the fuck just happened diner sure but it's it's also the only restaurant in this one horse hillbilly two high school town (laughs) still blows my mind be smart about your boycotting people I mean, it makes no sense why they're so upset. I mean, yeah, something bad happened there, but it's, it's not like somebody came in and like hanged 50 people from the ceiling. Like a guy got shot and what every, as far as the public knows was, you know, it was just a holdup. It was a stick up, you know, a burglary that went wrong, but I just, I don't know. I don't understand the logic. some of these storylines. I mean, I know that they just needed a reason to have the fundraiser so they could put these kids in those costumes, but for fuck's sake, come up with something better. Our core four are obviously upset about losing their fave hangout spot and, you know, only source of nourishment, but Archie and Jughead are both too tied up in helping their respective fathers during their tough times, so Betty takes the lead for saving Pops she pitches an idea to Kevin and Veronica for a throwback style fundraiser to save pops um, in the blue and gold office. And Veronica's like, why, why this hill? Why are you going to die in this all this time? Instead of Betty being like, duh, bitch, I have zero chill. Everything is out of 10 for me, obviously. She's like, well, that's the first place I met you, V, and hated you <laughs> from the moment I met you. That's the first place I met you Kevin to which Kevin just fucking doesn't get lines he's just there to be eye candy and to nod even though he's been promoted to series regular for this season why why do they not give him enough I don't understand it's not fair but also um she's like and that's where Archie and I have our annual last day of summer grilled cheese and whatever bullshit that Veronica interrupted this year. That's how you met her and you were mad at her about it, but fine. So she's going to take the lead on saving pops and blah, blah, blah. They're going to have like a 1950s style fundraiser. But before they can nail, out, nail down any details, Hiram burst into the blue and gold office with a bouquet in his arms. Daddy, Veronica says. And then in unison, Kevin and Betty are like, daddy, like <laughs> almost like, hmm daddy (laughs) because Marcus Wales is really hot but um but also they've not ever met her dad so and they're at school remember how weird it was when Alice just like showed up in the student lounge this is also weird how did he know Veronica was in the the school newspaper office she doesn't even work for the paper it's kind of creepy I bet he's tracking her phone anyway so we'll move on to that storyline with the watches. as much as hiram might want to be a happy family again veronica is doing her best to avoid her dad whom she still suspects had something to do with fred's shooting because it all makes sense really like that would make perfect sense she'd been all ready to welcome her father back home she explains until he sent her that letter threatening her mother if she didn't obey him or did he? Because then Hermione tells her daughter that she wrote the letter to manipulate Veronica into testifying on her father's behalf. Which is obvious bullshit. I mean, come on, Hermione. You need to be better than this. Like, you used to be better than this, for goodness sakes. Like, remember when you were the only good parent on this show? And now you're, you're telling lies to save your husband who is, like, a monster and stole from people to the point that Ethel's dad tried to kill himself? Like, I mean... What the hell is wrong with you? So we're going to move into um, the courtroom uh, plot. Betty confronts a half-naked Cheryl in the locker room. She's like in a red bra, of course, in front of her locker. And of course, Cheryl has installed a red light bulb in this locker. And it's just red, 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 red. <laughs> but Betty grossly threatens to circulate the video of Clifford shooting Jason in the forehead if Cheryl doesn't help out Jughead and FP nor lend the services of her newly reclaimed vixens to volunteer at Pops like, Betty, honey, that's fucked up. This girl is not only just like dancing on the edge of sanity anyway, you're gonna send that video around of a man shooting his son in the forehead? That was gruesome to watch and we all knew it was fiction. But this is your reality and you're going to send it around? I mean, like, we've seen Dark Betty. That is... That's disgusting, Betty. That's not okay. Just don't blackmail her into doing something that she might not be cool with in the first place. It's just so gross. Anyway, in court, Cheryl expresses her family's forgiveness for FP. But the judge isn't impressed. He's like, and? So then she just, like she just quickly adds like she just throws it oh and I overheard that uh daddy threatened to hurt Jughead if FP didn't do his bidding which we know from the season one finale is true because we heard FP say it but we can't be so sure that Cheryl ever knew that or actually overheard her dad so this quick blurting like I think we're led to believe that she just made that up but it is kind of true I don't know poor writing is all I'm saying that was it could have been done better. It was rushed. I feel like, I feel like they were on a deadline and they were just rushed. Anyway, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, but this quick flirting out actually works because the judge decides to take another look at FP sentencing. So I guess that's a thing in this reality. <sighs> uh, Betty's big retro night pr- proves to be a hit with uh, the kids in fifties outfits and roller skates working in the restaurant and sitting and everybody's having a- brand old time um Betty also took it upon herself to advertise that Josie and the Pussycats would be performing tonight and Josie is obviously pissed because in no way would her mother approve of her being at this diner when everybody's supposed to hate the diner and Mary McCoy is all about doing what the public <laughs> believes is true even when it's fucked up and wrong Betty does not come out great in this episode <laughs> like she's one of my favorite characters not just on this show, but on TV, she's very complex, but she does some bad things. Like, she's not a good person in this episode. And, like, she's painted to be great. They don't act like she's a bad person. They don't treat her like she's bad. They just wrote her to be bad, and I'm not, I am not okay with it. Also, Val is down with norovirus, aka a little show called Altered Carbon. That's where Val is. She's she's not sick. She's just going to be real busy because Haley Law is like a hot new starlet now. And she's too big for Riverdale, to be quite honest. So Cheryl selflessly, selflessly, that's a hard word to say, you guys. She volunteers to take Val's place among the pussycats for this, like, supposedly impromptu yet very professionally arranged and lit and they just had this in their back pocket this arrangement of milkshake by Kellis but is it is it pronounced Kellis I don't know like VH1 in the late 90s or early early aughts I guess didn't tell us how to pronounce shit but I think I think her name is Kellis but you you know the song it's like my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard and they're like It's better than yours, whatever, but it's so creepy and so slow, it's very bizarre and very weird. Even lodges arrive to to show their support, so Hermione and Hiram show up, which touches Veronica in her heart, so she tells her parents that she's ready for a new beginning. Hiram offers to make a charitable contribution to Pops with what money. I still don't understand where this money is coming from because didn't he go to prison for stealing everybody's money? Should Wouldn't he have to, like, liquidate those assets and, like, give it back, give it to the government, something? I don't know. I just feel like he shouldn't have that money anymore. But little does Veronica know that Lodge Industries secretly buys the diner, promising Pop Tate a job so long as he doesn't mention the change in ownership to anybody and what's worse is we learned that Hermione didn't write that letter after all so when we called bullshit we were right she just lied to cover it up for Hiram and that's not cool so later that night um (laughs) there's a lot that happens later that night speaking of problematic dads Jughead gets a call from FP in jail who is like Uh, reeking out that his son went to see Penny Peabody, and even worse, that he didn't pay her. You know, with all that money that the Joneses just have laying around, like, (laughs) you didn't pay her? No, Dad. I'm a homeless kid. I'm squatting in your old trailer. Like, I don't just have money. So he orders Jughead to cut off all contact with this woman. You do not want to be in bed with the snake charmer Jughead. And then he hangs up. And to that, I say, ha, says UFP. Pretty sure most guys want their snake charmed in bed, if you know what I mean. Jughead is a 16-year-old boy. He might want that a lot. And Penny is very pretty. So anyway, that was my dumb sex joke. Uh, Snakes are penises. Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) such an idiot okay so frazzled and at his wits end Archie has a secret meeting with Dilton Doily at the Sweetwater River Bridge Dilton hands Archie a whole backpack like I guess he just had a spare one I don't know that's kind of a lot but he hands him a whole backpack and inside is a gun great that's what you want a fucking kid on drugs to have a gun So, first, Archie is buying drugs from Reggie Mantle, which is a weird sentence to say out loud if you've ever read the comics. And now he's buying a gun from Dilton Doily. Like, my, my. We knew this was a darker take on the Archie comics, but Jesus, this is a whole new level of dark than last season. This is insane. Like, I know most of us haven't read the comics because it's kind of, kind of old and there's not a lot of um, crossover from comic-y people to teen mystery people but it's weird that's a weird thing that he's buying drugs from Reggie and firearms from Dalton. that's very bizarre so whatever meanwhile parked in a remote makeout spot in the woods Midge and Moose do some jingle jingle just you know as you do <laughs> but oh shit the black hood is apparently not cool with drugs that could pass for pixie sticks so he approaches the car flashlight in hand and then just fucking shoots the lovers the like he shoots midge and moose in a very zodiac moment like so much like ah, uh, i can't <laughs> is is this the end of moose and midge like, we literally just met Midge this, this episode, and she seems fucking awesome. And Moose? Not not sweet, vicarious, and totally confused. Moose? Like, ugh! Oh. Look, Black Hood. First you came for Luke Perry, which is a crime against humanity, especially all of humanity over the age of 30. And now you're coming for these sweet babies who just want to get a sugar high and like touch each other's naughty parts in the forest. Fuck you and your stupid green eyes. That is not okay. That's basically the end of the episode. That's the cliffhanger that we're going to end on like, Oh no, or are, are Moose and Midge going to live? But like he shot them a lot, <laughs> like a lot of times. <laughs> So we'll move on to our segment. Oh, this is Riverdale. We'll move on to our breakdown segments. Um, Most Archie Comics moment. I mean, obviously the whole Retro Night thing was one giant nod to the comics. You know, minus, um, you know, pelvic thrusting to milkshake slowly on the roof. But, um, you know roller skates, the kids' costumes, there were even, even the kids who, like, were just eating there. their costumes were wonderful. Um, Best Blossom Burn, I guess we're gonna have to go with that, like, very bizarre dinner party at Thistle House when Penelope and Cheryl basically told Jughead to his face that they want to see his father fried in front of their very eyes. Like, I, I get that he fucked up and he, like, hid, you know, he tried to dispose of, like, their dead loved one, and that's, really messed up. He helped, um, Jason's murderer and everything. But to say that to that guy's kid who's 16 and a somewhat friend of Cheryl's, like that's, that's really messed up um but it was kind of funny like the whole thing was pretty funny um so good my good bad funny so for my good even though it was obvious pandering I really do super love the costumes at Pops I loved Jughead's old timey cook outfits um though like waitress outfits with her like skin tight shirt and shorts which I'm not sure super retro but maybe I don't know, the roller skates, and like, and like I said a few minutes ago, the the kids who dressed up just as patrons, like, they really brought their A-game, and I'm super impressed. I loved it. I love a good, um, you know, 1950s without the blatant racism and sexism, just, you know, the costumes, so fun. Uh, for my bad this week, I did Obviously, I did not like the revised Milkshake song. I mean, I appreciate the tie-in with Pops, you know, because that's where you get, like, the best Milkshake and whatever. I understand that. However, that that arrangement is so slow. It's, like, haunting at best, but really pretty boring. My funny this week is just Penelope's turban. The end. <laughs> weird. I loved it. Uh, for changes this week. So this is, this is a pretty blatant, um, continuity flaw, but Cheryl is straight up sunbathing in this episode, even though like two days ago she fell through an iced over river. So I would change that little scene up, you know, just a smidge. (sighs) It's bonkers. Like we just, we're just supposed to forget that it's winter. (laughs) Like Come on, for theories, um, the theories for who the black hood is—they just they're abound. I mean, I think we can be sure it's a Caucasian male, in his late thirties, maybe to late forties. I don't know. I'm, I'm like really bad at guessing people's ages, but he's certainly not a teenager. We know that. He's certainly not elderly, um, so he's somewhere middle aged. We can tell from the skin around his eyes that he's white. Um, he's got bright green eyes like that don't occur in nature. Who could it be? Hmm. Uh, for Sabrina news, really, we're not really getting actual news. We're just getting more and more pro- promotional content, which is wonderful. I'm loving it. The launch date is still, quote unquote, coming soon. <laughs> It's, you know, hopefully we get a launch date soon and we can all binge and fall in love with it. In Riverdale news, though, season three will premiere on the CW on October 10th at 8, 7 p.m. Central. So that is some hot news. For Skeet's Dadgram corner, I feel it's important to say here that our previous suspicions that Skeet and Vanessa Morgan were dating, if those suspicions were ever correct, it's for sure over now. Vanessa has a very handsome young man on her Instagram that she's officially calling her boyfriend and she has even brought him to the set as they begin filming for season three and like look that is typically not the kind of paparazzi crap that we try to focus on on this this podcast but I felt it was important to say as I know Ashley and I have earlier speculated there was a Vanessa and Skeet pairing based on their Instagrams but if, if we were ever right about them hooking up, it's not happening now. She seems to have a very steady boyfriend, and he is super cute and super tall, and I'm loving it. Okay, so now for Skeet's Instagram comment of the week that made us say, Oh my God, he's such a dad. <laughs> this past weekend, Southern California experienced what it's like to live in Texas from May through September, but they all freaked out about it there were temperatures over 100 degrees. And if you follow even a single celebrity on social media, you saw their fucking dashboard thermometer. And they acted like it was just a real moment in history. Guys, global warming is real. Climate change is real. Quit fucking driving everywhere. Um, Yeah, we're, we're cooking the planet. That's what's happening. So, As everyone is posting their shit about how hot it is and how miserable they are, Marisol Nichols, who plays Hermione Lodge, Veronica's mom, she posted a picture of her in a pool with the caption, Beating the Heat. And, like, she's in a bikini, and you can, like, see her back, and it almost looks like there's a tramp stamp there, but maybe it's just, like, how the water is, but it's very sultry. And so, like, all the cast members posted, they, like, commented with, like, fire emojis and whatever, but Skeet's comment was, quote but you're only making it hotter praise hands emoji fire emoji <laughs> and like it is a gorgeous picture of Marisol but that comment was so skeet it couldn't have been skeeter if like the comment was skeet skeet motherfucker <laughs> that's funny to like only me <laughs> um, but like oh bless this sweet little heart all right, kids, I think that's it for this week. I know we didn't talk a whole bunch, but as as it goes, um, second episodes of the season are usually not super impactful. Um, you know, the, the premiere is always the big deal, and then they've kind of got to settle into their storylines and start, like, figuring stuff out. Um, there's not a lot of setting new stuff up, but just kind of going through the motions. I do think this was a good episode. Um, I would give it maybe an A minus. Like, it's, it's alright. It's fine. You know, Archie makes all the poor decisions, but that's kind of his jam. Um, I do think KJ's acting has gotten way better this season. Um, I am love hating new Reggie. I will miss season one Reggie forever, but this new guy, Charles Melton, um, he recently like IRL got in some deep shit for going around the gym and talking shit about fat girls. And as a fat girl, I have to say, fuck you. That's not cool. Um, I'm pretty sure he's like apologized and I don't think anything's really going to happen to him punishment wise, but it is what it is. I'm not cool with that. However, his character, I think he's doing a great job playing Reggie, um, especially as a douchebag. It's kind of weird how him and Archie are, like, teaming up to be, like, bros when last season, like, there was definitely a rivalry, and we did not like Reggie. But now, I, I don't know. I don't know. There's definitely a different element between um, him and Archie's character but I like this kind of New York douchiness that he's bringing to the table it's different and I'm enjoying it what else happened this episode that was stood out I mean Midge we hardly knew (laughs) you I I hope they're not dead but it seems like they would have to be after all those bullets but we'll find out next week and uh i guess that's it so don't forget to subscribe rate and review it really helps with the algorithms on itunes if you want to follow me on social media just know that i'm super bad at posting regularly but i am there um you can follow me at Sharibi, and that's c-h-e-r-i-e-e b-e-e so my name and then you know like the flying bug that goes bzzz with you and that is my handle on both Twitter and Instagram so until next week when we discuss season 2 episode 3 chapter 16 the Watcher in the woods hang in there and you know don't buy drugs and guns from teenagers bye'll make springtime right on to the summer and the fall. So darling, don't be weeping And please don't you be sleeping When I come creeping down the hall To sing goodbye